Hello, uh, this is Kathleen. I'm extremely humbled and extremely grateful for being pardoned and released from prison. My eternal gratitude goes to my friends and family, especially Tracy and all of her family, and I would not have survived this whole ordeal without them. Today is a victory for science and especially truth. And for the last 20 years I have been in prison, I have forever and will always think of my children, grieve for my children, and I miss them and love them terribly. Thank you. This state deserves an Attorney General who is willing to engage in the law, in the systems before him or her, and do the right thing by justice. At the moment, a woman is in prison and on the face of all of the expertise in this state, in this country, she is there in spite of the very basic fundamental legal premise. There is reasonable doubt as to her guilt and her conviction. We are waiting for one more man to put pen to paper to say the very things that have already been said. And the Attorney General's power does not rest on that. It is not contingent on that. Please support the motion unamended. I have reached the view that there is reasonable doubt as to the guilt of Ms Folbig for each of those offences. I recommended that the Governor should exercise the raw prerogative of mercy and grant Ms Folbig an unconditional pardon. We also took the opportunity, as you would expect us to, to make sure that Ms Folbig was released without delay. I think we all have to put ourselves in Ms Folbig's shoes and let her now have the space that she needs to get on with her life. There's been a 20-year long ordeal for her. Um, if she's not out already, she will be soon, and I wish her well for the rest of her life. I wish her peace. How much damage has been done to her over the last 20 years? Uh, I don't think anyone in this studio listening here could understand what has happened to Kathleen Folby. She has not only lost her children, she has been locked away in prison for 20 years. She has been called Australia's worst female serial killer. She has lost liberties. She's been beaten to an inch of her life for being a baby killer. I mean, need I say any more? Oh my god. <laughs> my oh my god. How do you feel? I am so elated. It's not funny. I'm nervous and I'm everything. Oh. What are you okay. going to do now? Uh, I don't know. I need a drink of water. I don't know. It was one of those surreal days where you just kind of threw all your plans out the window. Now, I, can't, I can't actually say anything more that it was a surreal day. We just kind of got enjoyed each other's company. She spent a lot of time with my dogs and getting to know my, my animals and we we didn't get our steak for dinner, which was a bugger. So, <laughs> so we've had pizza last night. Um, we, we've had a bit of a flashback to the to 20 years. She asked for a Kahlua and Coke, so she had her first alcoholic beverage. There's no hate in her heart. She just wants to be able to live a life that she's missed for the last 20 years and move on. Welcome to the show, ladies and gents. You're here with Chad James on Chad Theory. Olivia. Hey, Chad. What is your initial reaction to this incredible, incredible news? I'm happy for her. I'm actually very happy for her, but I'm a little... I'm a little sad as well that it's just a pardon for now and hopefully the charges do get quashed and she's, you know, 
the conviction's gone for her as well. So she can't, I don't think she'll ever have a normal life again, but at least it's better than a pardon and you're not protecting the elite as we normally do. You've dropped a few bombs there, uh, but basically, yeah, I, I, I echo your thoughts exactly. She's been pardoned, but not exonerated. And maybe that's a good place to start. Maybe let's unpack that for everyone. So to understand what it means to be pardoned, it really is like a get out of jail free card. Nothing is reversed. Nothing changes. The conviction is still there. She was still guilty of three counts of murder and one count of manslaughter. The only thing that's happened is she's been freed from prison. Yeah, that sums it up well. Yeah, yeah. So there's a couple of different pathways here, Livster. Basically, the report hasn't been finalised. When that report is finalised, there might be a recommendation in there to send the matter back to the Court of Criminal Appeal to effectively quash those convictions. So like we're saying, the convictions still stand. And until a court actually says, we're throwing this out, appeal, turn over, you're acquitted, she still has those convictions to her name. Now, unlike other jurisdictions overseas, there's no sort of automatic compensation if you've been wrongly convicted. And that was something that the attorney general mentioned when he was publicly stating that she had been pardoned. He said, you know, it's up to Kathleen Folbig and her legal team to bring a civil action against New South Wales for compensation. Now, if that was to happen, effectively, Kathleen Folbig would be suing the New South Wales government, New South Wales police for negligence, false imprisonment, malicious prosecution, potentially. But that's hard. There aren't many examples of that happening successfully. What is being thrown around as a more likely outcome, Liv, is that ex-gratia payment, which would come from the New South Wales government. It's effectively just a one-off payment that's given to someone who has been affected by a wrongful conviction. Now, we know famously, or perhaps infamously, there was a case of an ex-gratia payment made to, to have a guess? Oh, Lindy Chamberlain. That's the one. For $1.3 million for the wrongful convictions over the death of of her baby, Azaria. And just as a, as a side note, Liv, you probably know more about this than I do. How, how long was... Chamberlain in, in prison for? Um, I'm pretty sure it was three years. Yeah. So three years, 1.3 million, Kathleen Folbig, 20 years. I mean, you do the math. <laughs> I wonder it, how they calculate it. Yeah, like, it I wouldn't be linear. Bring into it. Yeah, I don't think it'd be linear. I, I, I have no idea how they calculate it either, but yeah. I, I, don't, I, I don't think it's a matter of splitting 1.3 by three and then multiplying it by 20. But, you know, like this is... This is quite serious. Like amongst all the, the fanfare and the hysteria that's, that's happening at the moment, a woman was in prison for 20 years, 20 years. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that you hear out of the United States, right? If that does go to the Court of Appeals and it is quashed, is there terms for like um, defamation or anything from what previous people have said about her? Or is that all? No, I don't. I, yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't think so. Because you have to remember, she was a convicted murderer. She was guilty at one point. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that- it, it'd be the same as us. For example, Jared Hayne has been convicted of rape, sexual assault, right? Mm-hmm. So we we did a podcast and we effectively alluded to the fact that Jared Hayne is a rapist because he's a convicted right. rapist. Now, what happens then 
if Jared Hain on appeal, which happened before, gets off. Well, then he's no longer a convicted rapist. But in the context of that prior conviction, that was when we made the statements and, and published the podcast or the article or whatever. So there's, I think it's called contextual truth. Because it was in that time frame of when somebody yeah. was guilty. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't think that's, – that's a really good question. I don't think – that Kathleen Folby could go and sue the media, like the SMH or you know whoever it is, the Australian, for calling her a baby killer, unless her conviction is acquitted, and then they continue to call her a baby, uh, a baby killer, and so on. Y- you know what? On that, have you heard the remarks from Kathleen Folby's ex-husband Craig Folbig through his lawyer? No, I okay. haven't. Okay, all right. Have a go at this, ladies and gents. So what you're about to listen to is one of Australia's preeminent journalists, Koshi, who very, very sadly oh. is, <laughs> is, is, is retiring, questioning Craig Folbig's lawyer who went on the Sunrise show. And what I think is interesting about this is I think Craig Folbig's lawyer caught Koshi off guard. And so Koshi's sort of fumbling. I don't think Koshi expected the lawyer to, to say what he did. So let's hear what they had to say. For more, we're joined by the lawyer for Craig Folbig, Kathleen's ex-husband, Danny E. Danny, um, what was Craig's reaction to the call yesterday from the Attorney General telling him Kathleen would be released? Well, he respects the current Attorney General, who is a very professional and ethical Uh, human being and quite frankly the previous Attorney General's press release uh, spoke loud and clear and in the circumstances the numbness for him continues. Um, Kathleen supporters say this decision proves her innocence. Why don't you believe the science that says she's a victim not a murderer? Well the science does not say that she's a victim She has not been acquitted of those convictions. Okay. Does Craig feel he's been let down by the justice system? Well, the criminal process, uh, the trials that Ms Folbig faced, there has been no criticism of the trial process whatsoever. Nobody suggested that the trial process was unfair to Ms Folbig or to Mr Folbig for that matter. So where to from here? Does Craig believe Kathleen should be back in prison this morning? Well, right now we have to wait for the recommendations of the Honourable Mr Bathurst. Uh, Beyond that, one cannot uh, necessarily say too much about what is to follow. But Craig has no doubt that his children... Uh, were murdered. Okay. All right. There's a lot more to come. Danny, uh, for now, thank you for joining us. How can you end an interview when the lawyer says that the husband still thinks that they were murdered? He didn't even answer any of the questions he gave back to him, though, or any of the statements he made back in response to his questions. He just started a whole new question. Yeah, because he's got talking points. But there was a lot in there, Liv, right? And... The interesting thing about that interview is Craig Folbig's lawyer was right. And what you saw is Koshi caught up 
in these media talking points that we're seeing going around, Kathleen Folbig is innocent, justice. Some of you listening might believe that to be true, but the reality is the only thing that's happened here is she's been released from prison. Everything else still stays. Absolutely. So let's just unpack that for a second, Liv, because the lawyer said that there has been no criticism in the statements that have been made publicly as to the actual process. So so what does that mean? Basically, what's happened here is there has been new medical research that shows that there might be an alternative explanation as to how these kids died. And on that basis, that would constitute reasonable doubt in a courtroom. That's the only thing that has happened. And so what the lawyer was saying was there has been no criticisms about the actual procedures at the time. Now, in our first podcast, in our previous podcast, Live on this topic, we went to town on those court proceedings, right? We made several observations about, you know, the, the rampant sexism in that case. We made observations about the reliance on pseudoscience in that case. None of that has been called into question. That's no, the no. problem. Yeah, that's the problem that I have with what's going on here, Liv, is that what we really need has not happened. This is not like a all. Band-Aid solution, right? Now, l- let me explain that in a little bit more detail. Let's have a look at an interview with one of the scientists, a, a Spanish professor, no less, who explained to Sarah Ferguson on 7.30 the details as to you know the science and the medical research that was presented to the inquiry, the second inquiry, mind you, and led to this pardon. Is Kathleen Folbig's pardon a victory for science? Yes, it is. It is an incredible victory for science and for the many scientists that have worked very hard on this case for the last few years. Now, can you explain what it was that you discovered that made such an important contribution to this case? So we discovered a genetic variant in a gene called CAM2. This is a gene that has been shown to be able to cause lethal cardiac arrhythmias. So the heart can stop beating when the gene is mutated. And we found a variant that had never been seen before in any other individual in the world that looked uh, very suspicious, very damaging, and that eventually was proven to cause this type of cardiac arrhythmias. And and how were you able to establish that any of the Folbig children carried that gene? So we were able to uh, sequence DNA obtained from different tissues. In two of the children, we had a blood sample from the heel prick that's obtained when children are born. From two other children, there were other frozen tissues stored. And we now have these uh, very powerful sequencing technologies. We call it next generation sequencing, where we can sequence, sequence the entire human genome, the three billion bases or letters of the genome. And using bioinformatic tools, we could really pinpoint and identify this variant as a very likely cause, which was then proven experimentally to um, 
cause arrhythmias. Just help me understand this. So obviously none of this was known at the time of the 2003 trial, but how much of this was understood at the time of the first inquiry in 2019? Look, at the time of the first inquiry, we didn't have the definitive experimental evidence. We had the predictions. Uh, the predictions that make it, made it likely, but there was still a level of uncertainty. And it was only towards the end of the first inquiry, and, and sadly after the hearings were conducted, that we obtained this other piece of evidence of this second family, where two children had been affected and there had been a death and a cardiac arrest with this other variant in the exact same position of calmodulin. Unfortunately, that came in late, so it couldn't be considered in all its depth. And um, we couldn't have the calmodulin experts in the courtroom to present that evidence. Was there no possibility of, of delaying the inquiry or extending it to continue with this, this line of inquiry about this very important discovery? Um, look, there was that request put um, at the time, but I mean, I suppose this wasn't the only line of evidence that was being looked after or considered and um, the decision was not to reopen the inquiry at the time. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Professor Carola Venusa. Apologies if I've pronounced that incorrectly. For those of you who are wondering, Liv, why are you shaking your head? We obviously have gone through this before, but with the first inquiry, I was actually thinking that before, how much evidence did they have? I couldn't remember, but... They relied on the diaries. They weren't even looking at this new evidence. They were still adamant that their diaries were guilt, like she was still guilty off those diary entries. Yeah. And that's what they ruled. Yeah. Uh, In fact, they said that it reinforced her guilt. That, it reinforced that first her inquiry. guilt. Yeah. And what Professor Venusa was saying was, I think she was being very diplomatic there at the end mm. with Sarah Ferguson when she was being asked, why didn't they just hold off the, the final report of the inquiry given that they had new evidence? And... Unfortunately, I think, Liv, you alluded to this earlier, and again, this is just our opinion, ladies and gents, we don't have any hard evidence of this, but it reeks of protecting the elites from their own mistake. And now, what do we mean by that? Let's go back to the actual trial. Who was the prosecutor? Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to listen to the full episode of today's podcast, become a subscriber. We don't play ads out of respect for our listeners, so it means that we rely on your support. You can become a subscriber for the price of a coffee per month. All you have to do is click the link in the description. If you're on Spotify, it will seamlessly integrate with the app. Otherwise, all you have to do is copy and paste the private URL that you get into your favorite podcast app and you'll get full episodes delivered to you going forward. It's as simple as that. Support the podcast, listen to full episodes, and become part of our close-knit community. Thanks for listening.